0: welcome to you wherever you're at whomever you are with we are so very glad that you are here with us for a few moments this weekend before we jump into our teaching I do want to remind you of this great resource called the U version absolutely free has all kinds of translations of the Bible you can search by topics and if you go to the drop down menu in the lower right hand corner under events search for Arlington FM Church there you will find, A complete set of notes for this message also when you're in your podcast player uh, do look up Arlington FM Church and there you will find all of our teaching content well uh, we are in a series uh, we're calling it lovers and friends and uh, it's based on some pretty foundational teaching uh, from uh, Jesus as he was about to uh, hand off the baton of his mission in the world to his followers. Here's what he said in John chapter 15. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Uh, And then he uh, follows uh, by stating, I will no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything that I have learned from my father I have made known to you. Well, we're making the point that Jesus presents uh, his kingdom business uh, in a sequence, in a a a progression, excuse me. Uh, you know, initially he called them as followers and servants. And that is indeed uh, what we are who recognize that God has shown up in our lives in the person of Jesus. But according to Jesus himself, as that relationship grows, it becomes less about duty and obligation and more about friendship and affection. And, uh, as we made the point last week, uh, The greater good comes into our world, into our cultures, into our societies, uh, through genuine friendships as Jesus himself established. In fact, uh, research kind of bears this out uh, with this observation, that the single most common finding uh, from a half century of research into what makes people happier and healthier is the breadth and the depth of their social connections. In other words, their circles of friends. And so, uh, quite frankly, humans live longer and they live better when their lives are filled with positive relationships. And the Bible has always established that relational priority. Uh, The writer to the Ecclesiastes or the writer of Ecclesiastes uh, quite uh, succinctly states that two are better than one. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Uh, you know, uh, this is saying in really uh, really brass tacks form is that uh, we don't do well when we're isolated and cut off from people. We thrive when we are in good partnerships companionships love relationships and friendships uh, as we saw last week very early on in the opening pages of the bible uh, god declares it is not good for man to be alone well uh, becoming great lovers and good friends uh, really is god's will for us and when we uh, begin that faith journey with christ we can be assured that God desires to have that faith expressed in the quality of our love relationships in our friendships. You know, uh, when Jesus came to redeem humanity, he carried out his mission in the world through the quality of his friendships. That's a, that's a big statement for people who value the priority of faith in their lives. When Jesus came to redeem the world, he, he did it, through the quality of his friendships. And as we saw last week, uh, Jesus had concentric circles of friendships that he uh, approached his service to God and his mission in the world through. Uh, He had the wider, the crowds, uh, the the people that uh, associated with him uh, simply because they saw that here was someone who might be able to meet their needs, might be able to feed them, uh, help them get healthy. And uh, we're told that Jesus was referred to as a friend of sinners and tax collectors. And indeed, he was. But beyond the crowds, he had uh, the disciples, those who chose uh, to respond to his call to follow. And uh, within that uh, larger group of disciples, we have uh, the very infamous group known as the Twelve, the Twelve Apostles. And Jesus handpicked them. Uh, they lived with him. They traveled with him. They observed Uh, How he interacted with people and they received his teaching about life and faith and God and uh, beyond the 12 or within the 12. Jesus had a smaller circle of friends. Uh, We uh, referred to them last week. It was uh, James, Peter and John. Uh, They were often with Jesus in the extreme highs and the lows. They experienced conflict with him. They were on the inner workings of miracles, of healing, even raising the dead. And uh, here's the observation we made about Jesus approaching his mission in the world through friendships is Jesus cared for many well because he loved a few well and his love of the few was healthy because he shared it with many. He extended himself uh, to everyone out of that love he experienced with God, with those that were near and dear to him. Well, I uh, Last week also, we kind of introduced this proverb uh, that gives us the, the light and the dark side of friendships. Uh, Proverbs eighteen twenty four says this, One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And uh, here, uh, the wisdom of Solomon says, you know, there are really uh, two sides of friendship. Uh, the good ones uh, bring uh, God's health and vitality into our lives the bad ones bring about a lot of pain and despair. And, uh, you know, as we proceed in this series, I just want to acknowledge, I think that most of us want to have our lives filled with good friendships. We want our love relationships to be uh, enjoyable, fulfilling, uh, satisfactory, and uh, life-giving. Uh, but we uh, we also acknowledge that those same relationships that bring us so much good uh, can also introduce a lot of pain and heartache into our lives. In fact, uh, Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. And uh, we're going to kind of uh, focus in on that side of relation, the difficult, the challenging side of our lovers and friends. And uh, so today's message is lovers and friends hurt and betrayal You know, that may seem like those hardly go together. Lovers and friends hurt and betrayal. Uh, But the truth of the matter is, uh, hurt and betrayal are part of uh, our relationships. And maybe you wouldn't put it in those dire of terms, uh, but disappointment, uh, setbacks, difficulties, challenges, conflicts are as much a part of doing relationship as our love and affection You know, as we kind of explore uh, this challenging side of being good lovers and great friends, uh, I I was reminded of this invitation from the writer to the Hebrews uh, later on in the New Testament. The writer says, make every effort to live in peace with everyone. That would include your lovers and your friends. And to be holy, to not allow uh, things into your dynamics with people that defile and ruin your relationships. And, uh, and then the writer makes a statement, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. And you could even say, you know, when we allow uh, things to creep into our interactions with our friends and lovers, it hinders us from experiencing God in the midst of those relationships. Uh, the writer goes on to tell us how it is that we can uh, keep that sense of uh, health in our interactions with the others in our lives. He says, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. And I think we all know that bitterness is not good for our relationships, and yet bitterness happens. And according to the writer, to the Hebrews, bitterness happens when we we miss the grace of God to smooth over, to empower us to break through those conflicts those hurts those disappointments that are uh, they're going to happen as we interact with imperfect people and uh, but it's a uh, uh, the result of pain and disappointment it can be bitterness and uh, you don't know how deeply uh, some of those things uh, hurt or bite into our lives until we start to see the fruit of it And uh, the writer is a realist. He says, you know, when we allow bitterness to take place in our relationships, it not only ends up hurting that relationship, but many are defiled by it. And, uh, you know, we saw last week, there are some things we all do that uh, kind of ruin our relationships. And we we saw this one slide that kind of emerged from our shared heritage uh, with Adam and Eve. And these are fundamental fears that damage all of our relationships. My fear of exposure uh, keeps me distant from people, even those I love. My fear of disapproval makes me defensive so that uh, when some of my issues come up in the natural course of life, uh, rather than openly acknowledging them and working with our friends and lovers to move past them, uh, we can get locked up behind our own defensiveness. And my fear of losing control often makes me demanding of the others in our lives. Well, you know, as I pondered these uh, fundamental fears that we're all prone to on occasion, you could add some to that list. My fear of being disappointed again makes me cautious and in, in even in new relationships. My fear of being hurt again makes me protective. My fear of being taken advantage of makes me combative or makes me reclusive or makes me suspicious, and uh, you know, the point is, uh, when fear is the foundation of our interactions with others, uh, there's division and distance, and uh, you know, one of the things we're going to aim at today is how God's perfect love uh, casts out fear, uh, drives that out of our interactions with each other, and then last week, we also uh, looked at from the research side of things, uh, what uh, Folks who observe uh, couples interacting with each other over years and decades uh, identified uh, four behaviors that are particularly damaging. You might say uh, these contribute to those roots of bitterness uh, cropping up in us. These four relationship killers were criticism uh, of others where we just, uh, we see their faults rather than the opportunity to walk with them in partnership. A defensiveness, as has already been mentioned, a disrespect and contempt of others, this feeling of being a, a little bit better than those who disappoint uh, us, and then finally stonewalling or withdrawing and withholding from uh, from others, and uh, probably the most significant point that will carry over from last week to today's message is this observation that relationships tend to work best, they flourish. In a rich environment of positive interaction, then uh, as you read through the pages of the New Testament, it's impossible not to see that God wants to bring about great positivity in our interactions with him and with each other. Uh, I think of simply uh, Paul listing the fruit of the Spirit of God at work in us as love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, you know you can't come up with a better list of positive interactions than those that are birthed in those outlooks on life and uh, so here's the question uh, how do we how do we deal with the hurts that inevitably creep into our lives through our lovers and our friends uh, how do we deal with those disappointments without becoming bitter without ruining uh, that rich environment of positive interaction, because uh, the truth of the matter is uh, we are going to experience those things. We are going to experience disappointment. We are going to be set up at times uh, for heartache, and uh, the truth of the matter is if we don't learn to deal uh, with those realities, uh, there will be roots of bitterness. There will be divisiveness. There will be uh, ample amounts of heartache that we have to cope with, and uh, I want to Uh, look at a a text where Jesus kind of gives us a PhD, a doctoral education on what a great lover and a good friend acts like and behaves like. And it comes in a strategic section of the gospel according to John. We're going to look in particular at John chapter 13, this very poignant scene where Jesus, uh, gets down at the feet of his disciples and begins to wash them and just a little bit of setup on this passage we're going to read you know john chapters 1 through 12 pretty much outline jesus's public ministry how he was sent by god the word became flesh and lived among us and how he called people to become his followers he began to reveal the heart of God, the nature of God, why God had sent him into the world, not to condemn the world, but to save the world. And uh, this series of miracles that reveal uh, the heart of God for people. Well, at the end of chapter 12, uh, Jesus kind of closes his public ministry. It's it's finalized, done deal. And uh, the next uh, chapters really are referred to as the book of glory where Jesus draws in with his 12 disciples, prepares them, uh, as I said, to hand the baton of his mission to them and then eventually go to the cross, die for the sins of the world, be raised from the dead and uh, commission uh, his followers uh, to go out in his name and fulfill uh, his work of redeeming uh, our planet. So uh, big big stuff is going on as we come Uh, to the gospel, John chapter 13, and uh, we open with these words, 13 verse 1, it was just before the Passover festival, and Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. Now, it's important that the writer acknowledges Jesus is about to die, but it doesn't say, you know, Jesus is uh, about to suffer and be put to death. Rather, it it kind of gives the the strategic purpose of why Jesus had come to this place. Even couching it in under the heading, the Passover festival was at hand, and we know that the the highlight of that Passover meal was when the uh, the perfect lamb would be slain, and uh, would uh, signify that God was delivering His people from bondage, and uh, Jesus. Uh, takes that identity upon himself. Uh, He joins with his disciples for this Passover festival. And he knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and to return to the Father. Uh, Jesus was fully aware that uh, he was about to complete his mission in the world. Uh, Verse 1 goes on, Having loved his own who were in the world, he now loved them to the end. And so uh, here, the context now is... It's not one of suffering, it's one of love. Uh, Jesus seizes this opportunity to now complete, to fulfill uh, his love. You know that uh, having loved his own who are in the world, he now loved them to the end, signifies that Jesus is about to fully uh, pour himself out in love for his friends, holding nothing back. And so uh, we're told that evening, the meal was in progress, the Passover meal. And the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. And so into the context of this loving celebration, this festival, this holiday, there's a devil among them uh, causing, about to cause conflict and uh pain and heartache, and maybe you're thinking, well, that sounds like some of my family gatherings. <laughs> Don't go there yet, because uh, what we want to do is arm ourselves with how to deal with those kinds of conflict, but uh, here's the important thing. Uh, betrayal, uh, being disappointed, is a part of many of our uh, significant relationships In this life you know that word betrayal actually means to give one over to or to expose one to harm Uh, hear that again the word betrayal uh, carries with it the sense that uh, you're opening the door for someone else to experience pain and heartache and that's exactly what Judas Iscariot was about to do and uh, you know what do you do with that Uh, how do you respond uh, to people in your life that open the door for pain, disillusionment, heartache, and uh, how you deal with that uh, through your actions and your attitudes will go a long ways towards shaping the quality of your love and your friendships. Uh, hear that again. Uh, how you deal with those who open the door for pain and heartache and disappointment uh, will go a long ways towards determining the quality of your love relationships and your friendships with others, well, uh, Jesus is about to show us in comprehensive fashion, how it is that you continue to love others completely, even though uh, there's those among you that would open the door to heartache and disappointment in your life. Uh, we're told Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that He had come from God, and he was returning to God. And so he got up from the meal took off his outer clothing, and he wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin. He began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. You know, uh, this was an incredibly humble act that the Son of God did on behalf of his friends. Is uh, he, he took on the role of a servant. You know, in this day and age, uh, there would have been someone of of low standing in the household Uh, when there was a gathering of this nature. It was their job to clean the dirty feet of those who had traveled to get there. And uh, in this incredibly significant setting, uh, Jesus got up and uh, he took off his outer clothing, uh, put a towel around his waist, uh, poured water into a basin, and knelt at the feet Of his disciples and began to carry out this incredibly uh, humble task and uh, as we're told later uh, in this passage uh, they didn't really realize what it was jesus was doing why in the world he was uh, their master and their teacher was kneeling at their feet and performing such a humble task and uh, really what it pictured is what he would do on the cross uh, that he would lay down his life he would lay aside his his position as the Son of God, and he would become the sacrifice for our sins. And uh, Jesus knew uh, that the Father had put all things uh, into his power. You might say it like this, uh, Jesus responded to the imperfect people in his life out of the overflow of this perfect relationship with God. That's a huge uh, life lesson from the Son of God on how it is we conduct ourselves in our love relationships and invest ourselves in our friendship is Jesus responded to the imperfect people. You know, Judas was not the only imperfect one among them. He was certainly uh, the most uh, heinous, but there were other uh, imperfections that came out of this group gathered with Jesus, and uh, he was able to love them well because of his perfect relationship with his Father God. He was mindful of the empowerment that came from God uh, to serve people, even the one who would betray him. Imagine that as Jesus goes around the circle, uh, washing the feet of the disciples. Imagine him uh, coming to the feet of Judas, whom uh, Jesus knew uh, this was the guy who was going to open the door to his suffering. And yet, uh, nevertheless, he bowed at his feet And he washed them. You know, it's important to note here that uh, Jesus was fully empowered when he took on this humble task. And uh, it underscores this truth that Jesus, uh, though he was a servant to everyone, he was a victim to no one. Jesus was not a victim of abuse in relationships, though he was abused and he suffered. Uh, He was the one who said, no one takes my life. I lay it down. In other words, Jesus chose to be in this relationship as a servant to everyone. And uh, it never negates the fact that Jesus had boundaries in his life. He knew those who had evil in his heart. In fact, John opens his gospel by saying Jesus didn't entrust himself to people because he knew what was in their hearts. And so uh, Jesus never took on the role of a victim And like I said, he had firm boundaries. In fact, in a few verses, uh, Jesus will command Judas, his betrayer. He'll say, uh, what you're going to do, do it quickly. And Judas got up and left. You could translate those words of Jesus into, don't let the door hit you on the way out. And uh, so Jesus, uh, though he was a servant to everyone, including Judas, he was nobody's victim. He was fully empowered by God. And uh, here's a here's a truth that emerges from the example of Christ. A big part of learning to love people is learning to let God love you. A, a huge part of learning to love the people in our lives and become a good friend emerges out of letting God love us the way God wants to love us. In fact, um, I would say in order to love well... We need to be loved well by God. John would say it like this, perfect love casts out fear. And uh, we love others because God first loved us. And uh, my invitation to you as we go through this series is uh, how about uh, pausing, uh, not just today, but uh, throughout the week. How about pausing and, and really letting the weight of that sink in, my ability uh, to love the people in my lives well, my life well. Uh, to love my friends well. To build networks of healthy relationships will emerge out of my experience of God's love. You know, uh, the Bible couldn't be more clear about this. It invites us to draw near to God so that we can receive what we need in times of difficulty. And uh, you know, here's uh, some uh, some things that will pave the way into our nearness to God is, uh, I read an article this week, basically saying, he gets us. Uh, Jesus understands us. In fact, the writer to the Hebrews says, uh, he's moved by the feelings of our weaknesses. When we encounter difficulty, especially in relationships, he's touched by that because he experienced that without bitterness. And uh, in John 17, uh, Jesus prays, that the love that he has with God may be in us. Think about that. This tight, intimate, empowering, invigorating relationship that allowed Jesus to empty himself for people, that same love. Uh, He's asking God that it would be in us, and we get to step into that. We get to open up to that. You know, uh, Jesus was fully aware of the fact that the big picture of God's redemptive purpose for his life was being worked out through his relationships. It's another lesson that emerges from this foot-washing scene in John 13 through 17 is Jesus was fully aware that the difficulties and the challenges he was facing relationally, they were not side issues, they were the central story. And it was in the midst of those that Jesus demonstrated the heart of God for people and uh, we can live with that same big picture mentality. Uh, Jesus knew that he'd come from God. He knew that he was returning to God and that God had entrusted amazing things to him. We can live uh, in those same truths that uh, we have. A, we have a journey we're on. We have a calling, we have a destiny. It's out of that assurance. In fact in John 14, uh, Jesus would say, "Look, don't let your hearts be troubled. Uh, I'm going to prepare a place for you. If it were not so, I would have told you. We can live with that assurance, and it can change the way we deal with the, uh, the lovers and the friends in our lives. That's a huge awareness. You know, part of that, um, the relationship pain is the very crux. It's the crucible where our faith in God and our love for God becomes evidenced. And that was certainly the case For Jesus, uh, when he he felt those dynamics pressing in upon him, he said, it's it's time, now is the time for the Son of Man to be glorified. It's time for him to demonstrate his complete yieldedness to the love of God and uh, in a microcosm way, in our own experiences, uh, when we're in the heat of relational conflict, we can say, Lord, bring it on, now is the time. When your love for me can become perfected and uh, and can be lived out in the midst of challenging relationships. Uh, You know, uh, here's another truth that uh, if you'll read through uh, John 13 through 17, I would encourage you, uh, make that an action step this week. Read through those wonderful chapters uh, with this uh, perspective. Uh, What does this say about becoming a great lover and a good friend? And you'll see uh, from the example of Jesus, the teaching of Jesus, the resources that Jesus opens up to us, uh, that he's inviting us uh, into this same uh, realm where relationships flourish out of our awareness of God. Uh, He would say, stop fearing the future. Uh, Stop being afraid of of the outcomes of your less than perfect relationships and start believing that God is working in the midst of, Of those dynamics you know um uh, i would say this we we love to make this statement around here that following jesus will not only make your life better it'll make you better at life Uh, that's so true following jesus will not only make your life better it will make you better at the details of life and nowhere is that more true than in our love relationships and in our friendships. And uh, I want you to see this last slide. These are just some of the highlights of this uh, wonderful section where Jesus anchors home his love relationship with us. He loves us completely to the very end. Uh, Following Jesus will make you better at all of these, at loving people. In fact, Jesus prays multiple times in this text, uh, the love that you have for me, God, may be in them. Uh, Jesus is imparting that quality relationship to us uh, for joy. Uh, Jesus said, I've told you these things multiple times in these chapters. He said, I've uh, shared these truths with you so that my joy may be in you. In John 14 and 16, he talks about my peace I leave with you, not as the world gives do I give unto you. Uh, He demonstrates how the best way to approach others is in a spirit of humility and in the context of washing the feet of these imperfect disciples he reminds them that a servant is not above their master and you'll be blessed if you do these things and finally he imparts this great sense of hope that though it's challenging though it's difficult though your love and your friendship relationships may introduce incredible pain into your life be of good cheer I've overcome the world, and now may be your time of hardship, but life is going to come as a result. And uh, with those ends in mind, I would like to invite you to pray with me. Uh, Lord, thank you uh, for this revelation of your heart. We want to thank you uh, for this text where uh, John, the beloved disciple, uh, gives us great detail about the uh, the extent of... Uh, the love that God has expressed to us through the person of Jesus Christ. Uh, Lord Jesus, we want to thank you. Right now, we want to pause. Thank you that though you are uh, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, that you would put aside your robes, you would get at our feet, you would wash us, you would remove our imperfections so that we can enjoy uh, the love that you share with God the Father. We can step into that. Today, right now, Lord, we can experience that fully. And uh, we want to thank you for this invitation uh, to uh, live out our faith journey uh, with you uh, in the context of our love relationships and our circles of friends. Uh, Maybe as you're hearing this message, you're thinking, you know, I I need to experience uh, the washing of my feet. I need to be made right so that I can enjoy God's love, and uh, that comes to you the same way it comes to anyone, by calling on the name of Jesus, by thanking him uh, for what he did uh, on the cross, that he died for your sins, that he laid himself down, he poured himself out so that you uh, could be made rich, and uh, you would just say, Lord, I open up to that, I receive that, Uh, thank you, Lord, uh, for washing my feet, for making me uh, the kind of person who can enjoy my creator can experience his love, his peace, his joy, his hope. Uh, Thank you for that gift. Uh, Teach me how to walk uh, in that. Teach me how to follow you, Lord, to love others the way you love me, I pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.